Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Dimitri. And I'm Rade. And this is Respectfully a Melanated Therapist podcast. Just a quick disclaimer this is not therapy. We're just two people who are doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. Before we kick off the show, let's talk a little bit about how you can support us in our podcast. If you would like to show support through monetary gifting, you can send donations through Cash App at dollar sign respectfully empty. You can also show us support by sharing our podcast on social media tagging at respectfully MT, writing the show and writing reviews to let us know that you're listening and enjoying the show. Thank you in advance. All right, fam. Our topic for today's episode is communication and relationships. And before we dive in, let's talk about the different types of communication or communication styles. So first we have passive communication. Individuals who use passive communication do not express their own feelings or needs, ultimately ignoring their own personal rights, which allows others to do the same. Next, we have aggressive communication. And individuals who use the aggressive communication style expresses their feelings, needs, and ideas at the expense of others, ultimately ignoring others' rights in order to support their own. Then we have passive-aggressive communication. And individuals who use the passive-aggressive communication style appear to be passive on the surface, but within they may feel powerless or stuck, building up a resentment that leads to anger or acting out in subtle, indirect, or secret ways. Ultimately, these individuals have limited consideration for the rights, needs, or feelings of others. And then last but not least, we have assertive communication. And individuals who use the assertive communication style provide direct and honest communication and can express their own needs, desires, ideas, and feelings while also considering the needs of others. Okay, so now let's talk about some of the pros and cons of each communication style. With passive communication, a pro can be that it's safer form of communication option when a conflict may escalate to violence. The con is that it often leads to misunderstanding, builds up anger, or resentment. A pro for aggressive communication is that it can help meet your needs very quickly. The con is that it often alienates and hurts other people. There are really no pros for passive aggressive communication, but a con is that it limits the consideration for the rights, needs, or or feelings of other people by exerting control over others by using sarcasm and indirect communication or avoiding the conversation. A pro for assertive communication is that it's most likely to lead to a respectful and longer-term relationship and the style that we should strive for in most situations. The con is that it may not be effective when interacting with individuals that threaten you, you and your personal safety. Another con is that the People can often misinterpret assertive communication or behavior as aggressive, which often results in women being mislabeled as such. Wow. So, you know, when you made that last statement, it makes me, the first thing that comes to mind is angry black woman woman syndrome, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, mistaking passion for aggression um, Mm -hmm. and all of those things. Um, But I think, you know, what I like about all the things that you just said is that, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, assertive communication is the best way to go. When in reality, there's pros and cons, except 
to all of them except passive aggressive communication, which there's only cons. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's important to also note that although we want to be assertive as much as possible, that there are situations where passive or um, sorry, where passive communication could be um, the best route to to go, um, especially yep. when it comes to your your safety um, mm-hmm. or you feel that a conflict may um, escalate to violence. Um, now, overall. Communication and relationships can be the difference between a strong lifelong partnership or a conflict conflict filled bond that ends in disappointment. Now we're going to share some helpful tips for effective communication and relationships. So the first one is make peace with your anger. Don't avoid or suppress it. The key is to learn how to effectively express it in your relationship. Second, learn how to tell the difference between thoughts and feelings. Confusing thoughts with feelings is a common source of communication problems in relationships. Most of us didn't receive any education in identifying our feelings when we were growing up. However, being able to accurately label your feelings is a critical relationship skill. And third, we have practice the art of listening. As much as possible, listen to your partner with patience and curiosity. More often than not, when we're supposed to be listening, what's actually happening is that we are waiting for our turn to talk again. So listen to understand, not to respond. You know what I really love about something that you said here? I love that we acknowledge anger as an emotion. I think oftentimes when, especially therapists, when we're looking at anger, we we recognize it as a as a secondary emotion, not primary, because mm-hmm. ultimately we believe that there's something deeper that's going on. Mm-hmm. And however, I think it's still important to recognize that anger is an emotion all in itself. However, I don't believe that it always exists alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think anger Mm -hmm. is normally fired up by some kind of primary emotion, betrayal, disappointment, Mm -hmm. all of those other things. Reactionary. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, but it it does exist. So I'm so happy that we acknowledged it. I also have a little tool. If down the line, we remember, I have a little tool for the art of listening for us to give to uh, listeners. But To add what, <laughs> to add to that, and I think I probably shared on the show before, but to add to what you were saying, make sure your verbal, verbal and nonverbal communication match. You know, eighty percent of what's communicated um, in an interaction is nonverbal, and we tend to prioritize nonverbal messages over verbal ones when they conflict. So. If you guys think about this, like this is really talking about your body language, tone, you know, the way what your eyes are doing, all kinds of things. If someone is, if I'm speaking to someone and I roll my eyes in the midst of having a conversation with them, they're going to be paying attention to like, oh shit, why, why should just roll their eyes at me? Not, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not exactly of, of what I decided to say. Um, Okay. So right. in and addition I, just to the- that. Oh, I was just going to yeah. add another example. Like, let's say, you know, it, you had an um, award ceremony at work and the entire meeting is supposed to be of a positive nature. And, you know, you your, your boss is up there speaking. And they, right. And, they, and your boss has their arms folded while they're talking or they're rolling their eyes. Although they're saying nice things, you're not going to perceive the, the conversation or the intent of the conversation as nice or welcoming because, you know, he or she is rolling their eyes or their arms crossed or... Or, you know, they're looking everywhere, but at you, things like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, um, specifically as a therapist and me being um, telehealth for literally my full-time work and just my private practice, mm-hmm. I am looking so much at body language 
because it tells me a lot more of what I need to know. Right, exactly. And so if I can call out what's in the room, I'm more than likely to actually have a better understanding of what's happening with that with that client of mine. Absolutely. Okay. So to continue with that, um, it's important to find the right moment, but don't wait too long to have that communication. When there is something that you would like to talk about with your partner, it is best to talk to them at the time when you are both, when you can both be fully present, focused on the conversation. Right. So basically, if you waiting for your partner to get home from work because you got something to say, don't bombard them with the conversation as soon as they walk through the door. Let mm-hmm. give them time to to decompress from their day to, you know, calm down and adjust to being in the home environment before having that conversation. Um, right. It's very important to make sure or, you know, if, if you're hungry, I don't recommend having a serious conversation when you're hungry because I don't know about y'all, but I get a little hangry when I'm hungry um, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, different things like that. You want to make sure that you're taking into consideration when you're trying to have a serious conversation with someone. You know, and a quick pro tip is asking them, you know, when is a good time for us to have a conversation about this? You know, especially if you know that there's something that you would like to talk about, you know, it doesn't have to be immediate when you get home or whatever that looks like. But when you think is a good time, um, Mm -hmm. something that people do often as well is that you have a designated day, right? That this is the day that we decide to talk about things with each other that are things that are coming up. Um, And sometimes you have a list. Sometimes you may have nothing, but a check in can still be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And last thing, you know, that I want to add to this is that remembering that hard conversations are not one and done. Reset your expectations for the conversation so you don't approach it as something to get over with as quickly as possible. As when you do, you may start to end up feeling hopeless and frustrated when the issue inevitably comes up again. And a huge piece of this, guys, is understanding that most of the very, very, very significant arguments that you're going to have with a significant other are not um, really ever going to be resolved. What they end up being are things that you have learned to agree to disagree about and have respect for why that exists for your person, especially Mm -hmm. with regard to their values and your own. That's a huge, huge, huge piece I want you to recognize. So if you guys recognize an inevitable conversation that continues to come up, I need you to guys, I need you to think about, am I so against this with this person and their ideas around the situation so much so that I can't be in a relationship with them? Or is this still something that I can accept about them while they understand mm-hmm. my perspective as well, you know, and giving grace and understanding to theirs? Right. So balance and compromise ultimately yeah. is, is really what it ends up being. But, you know, when you walk into a situation with the expectation that it's going to be resolved when we're done, then ultimately you're not really allowing that that full communication process to occur because mm-hmm. you're not always because, you know, sometimes like, you know, we have conversations and when you go and you kind of sleep on it and come back, then more things come about that you may need to address with your partner. So typically, especially with serious things like they're they're definitely not one and done because more things tend to come up but the key is to talk about those things as they come up and do not mm-hmm. allow yourself to fester in the the negative emotion of it all like to go ahead and bring it up like hey we talked about this last week but something else came up for me can we talk about it you know again you know later or when you have time or right now or whatever the case may be but you do want to make sure that you're not walking into a situation where you feel like you know the only thing that you're looking for is resolved because it may not necessarily be resolved in that first sitting or at all for that matter. Like Rade said, it could just ultimately end up being agreeing to disagree and just having that balance and compromise um, within a relationship because ultimately you're still two unique people who are merging your lives together. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
So what communication styles were present in your home during childhood? Hmm. So, huh, let's see. Somewhere, <laughs> pretty much, I feel like really a mixture of all of them except um, <laughs> aggressive, just full-on aggressive communication was not present, but it was a little passive-aggressive, some passive and then assertive. You know, um, I felt like it, the assertive communication always came in when there was something regarding what I needed to do and my role and expectations as as a child or, you know, um, in the household um, or whether, you know, whether that was academics, um, chores, whatever the case may be, that was quite assertive. Um, Passive and passive aggressive. I feel like those came into play because almost kind of like we talked about in the beginning, like, you know, we weren't really taught to learn how to identify our emotions. It's almost kind of like there were only a few emotions that were present and that was sadness. And that only came out, um, you know, with um, something very, um, huge, like a funeral or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then, but other than that, it was anger and it was happiness. Um, so, you know, as I got older, really, you know, I feel like a lot of kids are also experiencing because I, I um, also work with some kids now that ultimately when you get, when kids get to a certain age, they're only going to experience a few of the primary emotions based on, you know, the roles and expectations that are on them and the home, as well as, you know, any, um, potential barriers um, or trauma or anything of that nature. But ultimately, they don't start to experience the full extent of all of the emotions until they really um, reach adolescence. Um, And then once they reach them, then ultimately, you know, they have no idea what they're feeling because they've never felt those, quote unquote, adult emotions before. So um, I think that, you know, growing, like I said, growing up, we didn't really talk about emotions or really express our feelings like that and anything outside of happiness or anger for the most part. Um, but there was some assertive communication um, involved though. How about you? During childhood, I would definitely say all of them, um, like in my home, mm-hmm. all of them, I think, and it depended on who was being spoken to. Yeah. If I'm being frank, like, you know, I can't just say, Oh, with me, all of them were utilized. No. Right. Um, I think that, you know what? I lied. Passive communication was not a thing. It was either aggressive, passive aggressive, or assertive. Gotcha. And yeah, I think I saw more assertive communication when I was maybe having one-on-ones with my parents mm-hmm. or when I saw them having to stick up for me or my siblings in some professional educational capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, where my parents were constantly showing us, you know, this is how you are able to articulate yourself when you need to have your needs met yeah. in a different setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So what have been some of your struggles with communication in your relationships, past or current? Um, a few things. I think that assertive communication has been an issue for me past relationships, current relationships, when it is mislabeled as angry black woman syndrome mm-hmm. and, and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I, if I say something, it's like, uh, you shouldn't feel that way or whatever, because of whatever. <laughs> so there's <laughs> right. that, but also, oh, or if I feel that way, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it because I'm a woman and I shouldn't be that passionate about, about that situation. Hashtag gaslighting. Um, no, no, seriously. But <laughs> <laughs> but really, though, I think my biggest, biggest, biggest struggle is passive aggressive when I'm attempting to be assertive. 
And I'm also trying to sue the other per- person's feelings without me actually recognizing that or mm-hmm. um, trying not to be too direct, so to speak, because then I don't want to come off as an angry person or trying to control them. And I think it still comes off that way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those have been like my biggest struggles is being able to say what I mean in a tone because tone is the biggest issue mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. in a tone that people can receive. So mm-hmm. that even if I am being assertive, it's still not coming off as me being condescending mm-hmm. or belittling or degrading. I'm mm-hmm. a very like serious and matter of fact person. Like, mm-hmm. of course, like I'm goofy. I laugh, you know, my people, stuff like that. But like overall, especially when I'm being serious about something and I want you to understand that the message I'm sending to you or mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you receive is serious. I think it comes off as it can be intimidating. It can be demeaning. It can be belittling. And I try my best not to have it come off that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do talk, I do have to address my tone. And a lot of the time I don't hear it because I'm just thinking, I need you to understand that this is serious. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make light of this situation because I need this to not be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that is like my biggest struggle is being able to like still have that seriousness, but not come off as it being like, you know, I'm superior than or, or anything of that nature, because that's never my intention, but I completely hear how my tone comes off that way. Gotcha. Okay. So what about for, for me, it is, hmm. so, you know, growing up in a culture where children should be seen and not heard um, kind of pops up into my head. So, you know, I've always been um, vocal. Hence, you pr- you could probably guess what I got in trouble for the most, which was ex- saying how I felt <laughs> when it probably when I should have been <laughs> quiet. But anyway, um, so I think what although I was still rebellious of sorts in that way, um, not always, but a lot of the times, I still feel like it. Um, as I got older, I had to remind myself. Um, well, I had to undo that messaging and remind myself that ultimately how I feel does matter. Me expressing myself does matter and that there's a value in that. And I think that, you know, for a long time, I struggled with that and not really seeing, you know, my feelings as equally valuable or important as the person in front of me um, because of that, which caused me to kind of suppress my feelings a lot. And Mm -hmm. ultimately suppress, suppress, suppress. Then I blow up, explode over the smallest things when ultimately Mm -hmm. I'm still pissed off or processing or like they're actually not processing something that could have happened months ago. You know what I mean? Or weeks ago. Um, But, you know, now that I'm older, kind of understanding that, you know, I had a cousin and she really helped me with emotional expression. And it was just so simple how it happened. And it was merely just, talking about deeper things with each other. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. what's going on? How you feeling? Like asking those type of questions and really just being vulnerable in that Mm -hmm. space. And now, you know, that I kind of created that habit or that routine of being able to express myself um, when I'm in those particular states, now that when something bothers me or I'm hurt or, you know, whatever the case may be, that it becomes almost kind of problematic for me to hold it in. Like I can't hold it in anymore. Like it has to come out. Now, granted, whether it comes out, to the person that caused it or whether it's through, you know, a friend or, you know, a therapist or whatever the case may be, it still comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like, you know, it... That's been the, the biggest struggle with communication. I can be assertive, especially in my professional life, um, in situations that don't involve my own. 
feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you know, there's still, there's still a little struggle. Um, I don't say, I wouldn't say I'm passive aggressive, but I feel like for the most part, you know, there is, um, there's times where I, I'll be a little more passive, you know, thinking that, you know, a conflict could arise when the re- fact of the matter is, is that ultimately I need to, you know, live in my truth the truth or the the weight of my feelings. And then, you know, the people that I have around me, like I don't have anyone in my close circle who I feel I can't express my feelings to, but still because it's something that I haven't done that, you know, been doing my whole life, it's, it still mm-hmm. doesn't come naturally. So although I'm intentionally trying to be more expressive and, and talk about what's going on with me and communicate better, um, it's still a struggle because my go-to is automatically to keep it, you know, to that my business is my business type of situation. Um, mm. But yeah, I think, you know, a a really big thing for me too. now that you're saying that is two things. One is that I have always been an over communicator. This is how I feel like this. how I feel this. Mm -hmm. I feel this. How I feel. (laughs) And not in a, you know, not saying that that's a negative thing because I don't believe it is, but because I think it's important that I know where my head and my heart are um, Mm -hmm. and that other people do, too. But I think the biggest hump that I face is that when it's I haven't paid much attention to or had much compassion for if people if the person that I'm communicating that with does not have the knowledge or the capacity at that time to also articulate their feelings I'm overwhelming them and fair point it starts to feel and and for them you know it just feels like why is she coming at me with all these things and it may also mm-hmm. may feel like I'm putting you know, my emotions as their responsibility when that's not my intention, but 1000% I can understand how it comes off that way, especially Mm -hmm. when I'm not even paying attention to, you know, do they have the capacity to receive how I feel right now, girl? Cause Mm -hmm. they don't even know how they feel. Like, you know what I mean? And I pay very little attention to that. (laughs) And I think that (laughs) that is, that is very problematic for me because then I'm being dismissive of probably where they are. And if they can even receive the message I'm trying to deliver. Mm -hmm. So there's that part. And also I think a huge bit of, of the tone piece that we were talking that I was talking about earlier is um recognition that I've been told so many times that it seems uh, seems like I'm being nonchalant or dismissive, even though I'm just being my serious self. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. Um I had just got out of college and I was work where was I working at? Uh, I was working at Guardian at Lightham. And gotcha. I was my supervisor at the time. So I was, I'm an efficient employee, y'all. Okay. Let, let's not sugarcoat it. I'm an efficient employee. You tell me I need to get something done. You give me all the instructions. It's going to get done and it's going to get done on time. Meticulously. It's going to get done. So I would go to my boss and I would ask questions. And after she answered the question, or maybe she would call me in and she would give me some instruction. Mm-hmm. And after she was done, I would just say, okay, and keep going by my day. Mm-hmm. Or if I had another question, I would clarify and keep it moving. And I will never forget one time I got called in because we had to do like, you know, every six months we did a review and blah, blah, blah. So I was there for my, my review. And she's like, yeah, it just seems like you really don't ask for help. And um, then when you are given an instruction or directive, all you say is okay. And I was like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> like, <All> right. <laughs> are we looking for something else? Right. I was I was generally confused, but looking back, you know, I can definitely see how what she was trying to get me to to see was that I come off as being pretty nonchalant and dismissive. Um, mm. Because ultimately, for me, I was saying okay, I went to do it and I brought it back done. You didn't right. have any mm-hmm. complaints about it, so why are we talking about me saying okay? 
Right. But right. <laughs> ultimately, I definitely understand. You know, I was just coming off as being dismissive and nonchalant. But girl, you know, I was there to do my job and go home. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, in that particular context, Rade is not a conversationalist. Right, she just, like, what needs to be done, real methodical in that way um, when it comes to work. You know what I'm saying? But it work. sounds like, you know, but management styles is a whole thing, too, because Different at the things. end of the day, if you a conversationalist and I'm not, then you're going to probably see me as standoffish, aloof, whatever well, the case may be. Right. Well, all in all, I'm just responding to what you're saying in the way that I communicate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And the biggest thing with that job actually was like, and that supervisor in particular is that she was a conversation. She was a conversationalist. She wanted us to have lunch together. She wanted me to go and sit and do all these things. And I was like, I ain't here to do that. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> and I'm never going to be. There were some people that I would spend time with, like extra time mm-hmm. with, but she wasn't one of them. And I wasn't going to start doing that because you want Just because she wanted like, it, right? No, that wasn't, I'm not interested in that, especially in work. Like, mm-mm, that wasn't it. <laughs> I feel it. Anyway. I feel it. All right, y'all. So, <laughs> okay, fam. Now we're moving into the Therapist Hats Off segment of the podcast. Before we get started with this segment, we just want to remind you to send all of your questions and topics to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Do you have the first question, friend? Sure. So the first question from one of our listeners is, my husband and I keep arguing about the same things. It's like we discuss the issue and think it's resolved, but then it comes up again. How can we assure that issues are fully resolved the first time? You can't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think like you can't. A lot of times issues are um, compiled with a number of different things. They are... Mm. They have a number of components. They have a communication component. They have a value component. They have um, a moral component. And then they have the resolve component, right? Mm -hmm. How you both believe that they should be resolved based off of all of the additional things that I had just named. Mm -hmm. And so if we're going to be realistic, it's unlikely that things will be resolved under the first time. And honestly, something my husband just reminded me of earlier this week was this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I often get stuck in this mindset as well. It's like, we just need, we need to resolve this because I don't want to deal with this anymore. Okay. Mm. (laughs) I don't want to deal with this anymore. And if I feel like something is coming up too often, then lo and behold, cut off queen, want to come back into full effect. But granted, understanding that for myself is a trauma response. And so for you listener, I think it's going to be important that you keep in mind that things will not get resolved the first time. Some things that you can do to help make progress to reaching that resolve over time is making sure that you guys take little steps in each of those areas that I mentioned. And so if one of the first things that you need to do, if let's say, you know, what if, what if one of the first things that you need to do is look at communication, do that first. Ask if this comes up again, if communication has been addressed and you guys are making progress in that area, start working on that next facet that I talked to you guys about values and all of those things, right? So if you can address the communication piece first, put that in place. As time goes on, maybe it comes up two weeks later. Now start to look at, okay, why is this still an issue? Are my values, am I feeling, you know, that there's a misalignment with values? Is my husband feeling like there's a misalignment with values? If the answers are yes, is if the answers to those questions are yes, then it's going to be important that you guys come back together, reconvene about, okay, where here are we having a disconnect in values? Because maybe the way that your husband sees respect, you don't see it that way. 
your definition of respect may look completely different than his. And so this now offers you guys a space to have a, an understanding of um, what is his viewpoint or where is his head at when mm-hmm. he's coming to me about this versus where mine is. So now we have a, an even better moment to, to understand each other and continue to move forward in that in that manner. So as you guys notice, this is coming up. If all of these other things are resolved, right? So now that it's coming up again, let's say a third time, and the values thing has now been resolved. Now you're offering complete compassion to your partner's value system, but you're still having the issue. Now we're going to look at the next facet. So you just kind of keep coming to, okay, now now where is the, the issue? There, is a number, there are a number of components to issues when things cannot be resolved the first time. There's a reason for that, okay? And so if this is an issue that's small and it's like, oh, he didn't put gas in the car, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a one-time thing, then that can be resolved in one sitting. But these mm-hmm. deeper issues, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. You so, hit the nail on the um, head. And I was, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to throw in because I remember I had said, um, I have a tool. This could be, oh, you know okay. what? Never mind. You good. I can use it in the next one. I can say it in the okay. next one. Okay. Yeah, no, don't say I would say you hit the nail on the head. The only thing that I would um, you know, really is just the the intent walking into the conversation. I know that y'all hear me say the word intent all the time, but you know, it, it, it intent in these streets is real. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, your intent for walking into the conversation, maybe shifting it from um resolve to understanding. So we're walking into mm-hmm. this discussion or this conversation with the goal of understanding one another. And once we understand one another, then we can get to that part, like we were talking earlier about that balance and that, that um, what was the other word I used? Balance and, um, oh my goodness. I think balance you said balance and, and understanding. Balance and um, compromise. There we go. <laughs> balance well, compromise. And compromise. Yes, balance. Yeah, mm-hmm. balance and compromise. Um, you know, so that, you know, you're not walking into the situation with the expectation that it's going to be resolved in one sitting. And then now when it comes up again, now those feelings that you had before are exacerbated by that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's very important, like Rod, they said, like there are things that can be resolved in one sitting, but those bigger issues, those are not resolved in one sitting. And the primary goal should be to understand each other so that you can figure out how to move differently, because that's the whole point is to figure out how can we move forward together and overcome this obstacle that we have in front of us. Yeah, I think I love that you said switching the resolve to understanding because that's key, you know, because truth of the matter is, is that resolve also implies, you know, that there's going to be a solution to this problem when truth of the matter is, is that the problem is that you guys are just not understanding each other and that right. you're not wanting to understand or offer compassion to the other person's views. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge piece. The other thing that you said, uh, one thing, uh, other thing I wanted to put out there was um, compromise. I think that that word, people tend to have a very negative connotation or idea of what it means and what it could look like. Mm-hmm. Compromise is being present enough and compassionate enough for the other person so much so that you have to give a little to get a little. And this Hello. is not a, okay, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. But it's, all, again, it's the offering the understanding to, okay, if this is how, what's important to you, let's make sure we have a piece of importance for you in this understanding or Mm -hmm. this result resolve so to speak but Mm -hmm. and let's make sure we have a piece of importance for me because then we're still value aligned Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like now i'm value aligned not only am i value aligned to 
you know, whatever the issue was and why I felt like this was important. But now I'm even value aligned to my relationship. My relationship is also important to me. This is mm-hmm. still on the priority list, right? Mm-hmm. And my our love is also value to me. So that's on the priority list. And that is being shown through the ability to make compromise. Absolutely. I, I love that you said um, that you used the word comfortable. So being mm-hmm. comfortable enough to say, hey, where, where, where are both of our boundaries. So ultimately mm-hmm. in the situation, each each person has a line in the sand. So what you want to do is quote unquote that that the the resolve, I did that part on quote unquote, but the compromise is for both of you all to get as close to those lines as possible so that you mm-hmm. are showing compassion and respect for that other person's viewpoint or their perspective on whatever it is that that you guys are discussing. So that that word is just that was the best word that I think you could have put there for for us to understand was comfort, like mm-hmm. being comfortable comfort and enough. compassion. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. And you know what? Let, let's be real. I think that another piece of this is when you guys are, when you're trying to get to compromise, your partner also needs to understand your complete discomforts and yep. shouldn't be asking you to move in a way that's misaligned with values that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. they shouldn't ask you things that make you uncomfortable because truth of the matter is it's like change is uncomfortable. Adjustment is uncomfortable. And there will be things that will be asked of you that will not be the most comfortable. But if it's still value aligned, give it a shot. It's probably just wasn't the thing you thought to do, so to speak. I hope that makes sense for you, listener. Good stuff, friend. All right, fam. So now on to our earth lesson for the week. Be intentional in understanding your own thoughts and feelings to ensure that you are respectful and considerate of others. Remember, effective communication in relationships is a marathon and not a sprint. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right, fam, remember to follow us on Instagram at respectfullymt and send your questions and topic requests to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Until next time, fam. Peace, y'all. Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist. therapist.